Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA. The draft is over, thank God. I am. We've got joining us from Boston, where she was with the Celtics at their draft last night, while I was with the Knicks in at their facility. Um, feeling very bored at the at that facility, uh, Jackie. Nothing happened, uh, Jackie McMullen, and making a triumphant return. Mm. He wasn't with us during the finals. We missed you, honey. We did. We missed you. How many Man. beers had, did while we were working in, uh, over uh, all those hours, Jackie? How many beers did Tim Band McMahon consume in? Not his home? many. No. Not many. I'm trying to. Oh. I'm trying to shed some playoff pounds. So I'm, I'm, oh, I'm okay. trying to behave myself. Oh, all right. Little little discipline here. Oh, believe it or not. He, all right. That's. I'm impressive. in suburban dad mode, man. <laughs> I've seen you in all modes, and suburban dad mode is is one of your finer modes. Um, yes. So, uh, Jackie, you were in uh, Boston last night. We're going to talk about the Celtics a little bit more uh, in a minute. Um, I felt like, for the second straight year, the most impactful thing that happened on draft day was spurred by the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, They're awesome. Last, <laughs> last year they, they are. You know, I know everybody's going to talk about the Pelicans and the fact that the Pelicans moved down four spots and got four picks for it. Awesome work. But the Atlanta Hawks last year made a gutsy trade for Trey Young on draft night. Last night, they jump up four spots, get their guy DeAndre Hunter. That's who they wanted all along. And then Cam Reddish falls to them at 10. Um, When they hired Travis Schlenk as their GM, they wanted to hire the best possible scout they could find. They wanted the greatest scout they they could hire. And they hired a guy who was building through the draft, John Collins, Trey Young, Kevin Herter, and then he adds a couple more names last night. Jackie, I felt like the Hawks um, had a really good, good, really good night. They did, and Travis Schlenk just continues to be the you know the star behind everything that's going on in Atlanta. Boston was trying to get that number four pick too. They had multiple picks, first round picks, like the Hawks did, um, but of course the Hawks had better ones. And uh, and Boston was feverishly trying to do something, and then there come swoops in Atlanta. I actually texted Travis last night and said, "You're just on fire, dude," because he is. And there, there, you know, I, I so I'm a partial season ticket holder to the Boston Celtics with with two other groups of people, and I'm just really hoping they're a not listening to this podcast and b not paying enough attention so I can make sure I get the Hawks tickets because I want to see these guys play. <laughs> You know, they were already league pass darlings in the, in the second half of last season when Trey Young kind of everything clicked for him and he took off and him and Collins. I mean, those guys are Nash, uh, Amari-esque. Um, and they just keep kind of surrounding them with, with quality young pieces. Like two or three years from now, the Hawks are going to be a force to be reckoned with, much like the, uh, the, the Pelicans. I mean, what the Pelicans are putting together in terms of a young core uh, is pretty impressive too. I think the difference is the Pelicans have uh, a leader in Jeru Holiday, you know, a solid vet leader to to make them a team that should be a, a a threat to make the playoffs and maybe even do a little damage this year. Although doing damage in the West is obviously no easy task. Well, I spent some time with Steve Mills and Scott Perry yesterday. Um, Steve Mills, Knicks president, Scott Perry, the GM. By the way, they had nothing but free time. All that chaos that was happening. In the um, in the in the top ten picks, they were not trading their pick. All calls that were coming in, they were pushing off. We don't want to trade down. They were mildly worried that the that the Grizzlies would do something and, and move out of two, but not even really. And everybody expects them to build and get big free agents. They also know that it's going to be hard. That stuff that's happened in the last couple of weeks has made it more challenging for them. But they look you in the eye and they say to you. We really think we can build through the draft. And I know that Knicks fans will think that that's a cop-out, that that's something that you say when you don't get free agents, and it is. But what the Knicks are doing is what the, is what the Hawks are doing. The Hawks said we're going to build through the draft, and this is what it looks like. It looks like Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, um, Cam Reddish, uh, DeAndre Hunter. Maybe three of those five guys work out. Maybe two of the five work out. But right. they are, this is what it looks like. This is what the Knicks are trying to do. And you make your, your organizations, you win and lose championships in June and July. I know that the games are played over the course of the other part of the schedule, but 
this is where you make your bones. Actually, the a, finals are in June, so I agree. You're right. You got me. Right. Okay, you're right. See, you know we what, missed though? all that. We missed that insightful wit. That's what was missing. I will um, say this though: if I'm an angry Knicks fan, I say, "Yeah, great, you're building through the draft." Well, the one lottery pick that you hit on, you traded, and you were able to dump a bunch of contracts, uh, you know, or, or a bunch of money along with it. So you got rid of Porzingis, and okay, things went haywire with him, understandably. But you got off a bunch of money in the process because you were going to hit in free agency this year, too. So they don't get the, okay, build it slow pass. I'm sorry. We're going to talk about the Mavericks here tangentially in a minute. But first I want to talk about the Celtics, Jackie. Um, The last time we talked, we had a pretty good feel that Kyrie was probably going to move on. And I think the Celtics had accepted it. The Al Horford thing caught me by surprise did it catch you by surprise jackie it did a little bit but you know what it occurred to me in retrospect i think it's just easy to take al horford for granted because he's such a professional he's a you know a darling of the coaching staff and in the locker room the the young guys really like and respect him and he always does the right thing and in fairness to al horford he's doing the exact right thing for himself and uh, i think the celtics made him a good offer i can't tell you what it was but my, you know, I do think they did make him a four-year offer that was a pretty healthy one. And think about that. That's, that, I think Al's 37 at the end of that contract. So it's not like they, they said, oh, well, we're going to lowball Al Horford. But what this tells me, Brian and Tim, and Tim and I discussed this a little bit yesterday, mm-hmm. actually, uh, there are teams out there that are very, very interested in Al Horford. And one of them, I believe, is the Dallas Mavericks. That's right. And I, yeah, and so I think... There's going to be some big money there for Al Horford. Now, we've got to wait for things to settle a little bit, right? So, for instance, the Lakers, we, it's been well documented, their problems with getting the two max slots, right? Whether they can pull it off, we don't know. Al Horford is a tremendous plan B for any team that's interested mm-hmm. in contending. They, I'll tell you, the Celtics are in trouble here without Horford, and then they ended up trading Baines yesterday, too, which, by the way, they did all right on that trade. They got a protective first. I thought that was pretty good for them. But you've just taken away your two defensive pillars from this team. And I know Marcus Smart was all defense. I get that. I get that. He's a, he's a bulldog. But these two guys, you, you, can't, you can't possibly understate how important they were to the defensive schemes these Celtics teams were running. This right, is, I want to talk this about, is huge losses. Huge losses. I'll talk about the Mavericks and Al Horford in a minute. But I just, Jackie, what happened to the Celtics here? Or or are they going to be – like, they were a team uh, – I was on uh, Get Up this morning, and Mike Greenberg, he, I thought he summed it up, and maybe somebody else has said this, and I just haven't heard it. But they were a team that had a future but somehow missed the present. Like, um, <laughs> Right. What, well, what, what happened? They did everything – you know, it's funny, Brian. They did everything right. Think about it. They positioned themselves perfectly. But as I said last night on our network, nothing oh, has gone right. <laughs> nothing has gone one. right. Yeah, but nothing has gone right for them since Kyrie Irvin got came there. Nothing. Think about it. Catastrophic injury to Al uh, to to Hayward, an injury to, to Kyrie Irving. Uh, the Sacramento Kings actually got good. What the heck? Right? That pick was supposed to be an amazing pick. Everything that could have gone wrong for them along the way has gone wrong, including and I do think this can't be stated enough: the Lakers enabling themselves to get that you know it was luck it was the luck of the lottery balls getting that number four pick that was really to me the final nail in the coffin because that was the end of the anthony davis talk because yeah, the but Lakers also finally go ahead I, I want to point out that part of the Kyrie irving trade was sending away isaiah thomas and even if that was the correct decision for the franchise that damaged their reputation within the league and maybe anthony but see, davis that's, i'm calling shenanigans on that that is utter nonsense brian Every other GM and team in the league would make that deal, 10 times out of 10. I just well, don't believe that. I think that was you, a great narrative for the Anthony Davis camp. That's what Okay, and, and that may be fair, and that may be fair, but that was a narrative that they used. Yeah, and, I don't blame them. I'd use know. it too because they didn't want to go there. For whatever reason, Anthony Davis didn't want to go to Boston. That's fine. It could be in part because he's talking to his pal Kyrie Irving, who, listen, there are many, many reasons why Kyrie Irving isn't going to be in Boston anymore. Although we have to hedge it still, guys. 
We still have to hedge it because it hasn't happened yet. And right. if you believe Brian Lewis's report um, out of out of Brooklyn that the Nets are you know squeamish about going with just Kyrie and not KD, you know, we, we, but we can talk about that in a minute. But these are all the things. The part of the thing was Kyrie Irving didn't like Boston. I've been told this by many people. He didn't like living in Boston. He just didn't. You know, by the end, he had issues with Brad. By the end, he had issues with Danny. By the end, he had issues with pretty much all of us, right? So. You know, and the one thing that did go right for the Celtics, I think long term wasn't great. And that was them making that run. Uh, to Game Seven of the East Finals with all those young guys mm-hmm. with Hayward and, sure. and, and Kyrie out, because then the next year you come back and it's like, okay, young bucks, you took us to Game Seven of the East Finals, but everybody gets knocked down a couple pegs, and obviously mm-hmm. the, uh, the you know the, that chemistry experiment that uh, came after that was a disaster. Right, and yeah. you know what? In fairness, so to those three young guys, Rozier, Tatum, Brown, put yourself in their shoes. You can understand the disappointment. But what I was watching and watching very closely was which one of them come out of it? Which one of them say, okay, this is the way the league works. I'm just going to keep playing. I'm going to keep working, and I'm going to come out of this on the other side. And it was indisputably Jalen Brown that was capable and able to do that. So I give Jalen Brown a lot of props. The uh, the drafts people that I trust, I, I just don't know these players for the most part. I just I don't, I don't have the bandwidth to, to study them during the playoffs, and I don't watch college during the season. The people that I trust say that this this guy that they drafted from Purdue, Carson Edwards, mm, um, mm-hmm. was a was a nice pickup for them, and and you know, and that you know that that they cleared cap space last night that they can use either to absorb right. a player in trade or to to pivot. But Jackie, you're right; they're two they're two best bigs went away, and they and also don't have best, a point guard. And their two best veterans went away. And there are three best veterans, you could almost argue. And then their fourth one, Marcus Morris, is going to probably walk. Now, maybe sure. not. Because, you know, originally, when they, when they took on Marcus Morris all the way back when they made that deal, they thought, this is great. He's a bargain at $5 million. But then he'll move on his merry way. Well, near the end, they really grew to like him a lot and to really believe in him. But why does Marcus Morris want to stay now? Yeah, uh, and, he's you know, he's got, he's, I think he's going to be in some demand. But, Jackie, what could course. they use the cap space on? Like I mean, well, they still, the, they still they still have they still have good players, but they do. You know. Well, that's the thing that everybody's missing, right? That's the one thing. It's not like these guys are going to lottery purgatory because you know it's not like they're re. I think rebuilding means to me you're you know I don't want to use the word tangy, but you're going to the bottom to get back up. Their nucleus still remains: Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Gordon Haywood. So once again. Or Gordon Haywood, whether he likes it or not, becomes the X factor for the Boston Celtics. Can he recover from what was a, a lost season? And he was in the middle of a, of a, of a little storm of his, you know, nothing to do with, no, nothing that he did per se, but the idea that they were going to, you know, put Gordon Haywood back in the starting lineup, give him the minutes. I understand why they did it, but they, they, they didn't pull the plug soon enough. It caused some some a little bit of resentment in that locker room, not towards Gordon Hayward. Everybody likes Gordon Hayward, but the fact that you know, oh, it, it started that whole narrative. Oh, Brad Stevens is favoring his, you know, his favorite son from college, right. and he's taking right. away minutes. And 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 I can understand why some of those players felt that way. I don't really think that's what was going on, but as you guys know, perception becomes reality. So now you go to next year, and you're looking: Can Gordon Hayward be the player he was? Before his injury, and if he is, that's not a bad little nucleus. And I don't see how they can afford not to to bring um, Terry Rozier back, even with all the bad feelings on either side, unless the number gets north of say fifteen or sixteen million. Which guys, I don't think it will. I don't think it will. Yeah, the the point guard market's going to be interesting because the Celtics need one. Yeah. I still think that the Suns could be in it. They did a whole bunch of wacky stuff. I don't even know if I have the bandwidth to deal with the Suns. <laughs> Um, the, the, I think the Bulls, even with drafting Kobe White, could be in the game. I think Malcolm Brogdon is an option for them. And, of course, the Lakers need a point guard. And all those teams mm-hmm. have space to maneuver. And, in right. theory, the Celtics do, too, if they don't keep Terry Rozier. But just in, even if Terry Rozier is upset, you know, the book on restricted free agents is you match the offers or you do the deal and right. then you kill the guy with kindness and welcome him back with open arms. Um, well, not of ideal, course, and he'll get minutes. With open arms. And he'll and, get, yeah. Exactly. I mean, back to playoffs of last year's role. 
You know, well, that's so. it. He'll get he'll get minutes again. So I mean, even without Rozier, um, Brian, I think they're close to twenty four, twenty five million now with cap space. That's without Rozier. If they renounce Rozier, it goes up to over thirty million. I, I wish I could tell you this morning who they're targeting. I can't. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I it's saw all happening they, very, got, very quickly. It's happening very I quickly. I saw they've here. got uh, 25.8 million in cap space, and coincidentally, that is what Stephen Adams makes a year. Huh. I mean, how do you feel about that? I mean, uh, I gotta he didn't, he didn't that. have a great. He he didn't have a greatest yeah. year last year. They're in some cap pain. There are assets right. that they could do. I, I think. That's an interesting thought. If Oklahoma City does that, and look, they're paying luxury tax to get bounced in the first round. Yeah, but boy, it, to me, if they if they made a move like that, they need to explore the market for uh, for Russ and Paul George. Because if if you're if you're punting on being a playoff contender now, when you've got those guys uh, in their prime, it's an interesting thought, uh, though. You know. Tim, that's an interesting yeah. thought because he's got three years left. You're, you're up in 2021. You absorb that money. That's a very interesting Yeah, I, You know, Bill Simmons put it out there. Sometimes Bill mm-hmm. says things and people think they're No, real, Bill knows just, a lot. But Bill, but Bill know. knows. He, Bill's got guys inside the Celtics. He does. He so does. The, other, the other thing I would think would be maybe Brooke Lopez. Um, well, I've thought about Brooke Lopez all along, but Brooke Lopez, I think, is another guy that's going to have some suitors. I, I wonder about the Mavericks well, and, and Brooke Lopez. Well, in Milwaukee, what they did getting off of uh, Snell's money, now they're not limited to, Wendy, you probably can can say exactly what it would have been they could offer Lopez, which wouldn't have been enough unless they had cap space. And now I think they can go up to 14 mil to keep right. him. And just as great a fit as it was for Lopez, uh, as great a fit as it was for the Bucks, the fact that they made a move to create more space to keep him, I would just be surprised uh, if he ends up leaving, to me, the interesting one with the Bucks is going to be, uh, you know, when you mentioned Brogdon, you know, say the Bulls or, you know, Team X comes in and, and puts like a, a an 80-year, or I'm sorry, a four-year, $80 million uh, offer sheet on the table for him. Can the Bucks stomach that and, uh, and and at least keep most of that core together? It's a great question. Uh, so so Lopez, yeah. the, the Bucks could have, Ersan Ilyasova is a guy that maybe they could move off of. Um, they've been, maybe not totally, they've been trying. Yeah. They've been trying. Um, if they could somehow, even if they did it and they reduced, you know, he I think makes seven or eight million. Even if they did a deal where they saved two million, they could even squeeze it up to sixteen. Also, Lopez had yeah. a Lopez had a terrific year this year. Maybe I don't know. I I, it, I don't know his priority is. Obviously, this is his last chance at a big contract. And the right. Lakers, I think, are sniffing around. I think the Lakers need perimeter players. I think they're going to have to use their money on perimeter players. I know that DeAndre Jordan is a guy on the Lakers' radar that they're hoping that they may be able to get for um, relative cheap because he wants to be back in L.A., but that's another story for down the line. I sure, want, right. So, Jackie, one thing before we move on from the Celtics. There's going to be an issue of nuance long-term here because each of these decisions were different at different times, but I already right. am feeling it, people ticking off the list. Paul George, Jimmy Butler, yeah. uh, Anthony Davis, one other well, guy, Ka- they, Kawhi, uh, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi yeah. Leonard um, that they probably had the assets to make a serious run for, and you know I've talked to teams that that negotiated with them. Um, you know they they have a very specific way of negotiating, and it's 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 gotten them great deals over the years. But they're they're a challenge to negotiate. They 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 hold the line, and right. it's enabled them to have incredible assets, but. I wonder if the if the history of this era is going to be reflected on the deals that they did not make. Oh, I think that is true. But I think I just think when you look back on this calamity, which is the word I've been using, um, it all comes back to Kyrie, Brian. It just does. If Kyrie doesn't walk, then 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 Al Horford probably doesn't leave because you're still contending. And maybe Anthony Davis comes, and you know, I, it just it all comes back to that. They they gambled on Kyrie Irving, and if you if you ask them today if they would do it over again, I think they would say yes. And and that's why that's the one revisionist history that I think is unfair because there isn't a GM in this league that wouldn't have made that deal. I just, I'm sorry, you'll never convince me of it. It was a great trade. It was, it was a, great a great trade. trade no matter real, even in in light of everything that's happened, I still think it was a great trade. So now Kawhi, that's a fair point. But remember, at the time, 
there were we, we were all wondering. I mean, you I know I think the three of us were very, very bullish on what Masai did and the courage that he had to do it because their team needed to change. Right. Their culture wasn't where it, they wanted it to be. Their vibe wasn't where it wanted to be. Think about the Boston Celtics coming off what they were coming off of. They were in a good spot. They, I think their biggest mistake, in my opinion, was I was around this team all year. And you guys kept saying, oh, playoff time. Remember I kept telling you guys, uh-uh, this isn't going to happen. Because you know when you walk into a, cl- a locker room that the, whether the vibe is good or bad. And when it's bad all the way to February, that's when they should have made a deal. They should have traded Terry Rozier then. Those are the kind of things that I think we can hold, their, uh, hold them accountable for. Yeah, but at that What's- point, Rozier didn't have value I mean, if they were going to well, trade Rozier, yeah, but you know what? Summer, right? But if you're trying to salvage some of the uh, the tenor in the locker room, I think that would have. You're been saying uh, addition by subtraction at that point for that. Season. Yeah, and I'm not. I mean, and I'm not. I don't want to single out Terry Rozier because I don't think that's fair. I, no, I just, just think things that, were things went bad for him last year, and he was pissed. Yeah, he was, and he had a hard time keeping it to himself. I mean, he gave me the greatest line of the year. I, w- I went from the front, se- the passenger seat to the trunk. That's one of the great lines of the year. Hey, can I hit real just real quick on on the Horford Mavericks thing? We are going to hit down that uh, one second. I'll just say one thing okay. that yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a George Patton line when it comes to the Celtics. Uh, a good plan. I looked this up because I wanted to get it exactly right. A good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan next week. And I think Hmm. it is, in the NBA, we often see these teams who, I've never quoted a a general before, but I I would almost say that 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 is the difference between the Toronto Raptors and the Boston Celtics. They violently executed a plan and they're holding Mm -hmm. the trophy. The Celtics had a, a plan for next week. And it didn't happen. And by the way, it yeah. could still work out for them. But all right, well, that's now, what I was, was going to say. The jury's still out because you got twenty-five million dollars. Let's see what they do with it. Right. You know? Kyrie and Al going. It's just about the worst possible news. Now let's see what they do going forward. That's just okay. The way so to put it. in 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 the latest episode of uh, NBA Tampering One Hundred and One, um, <laughs> Al Horford clearly <laughs> knows he's got another offer. The right. speculation within the league is this with the Dallas Mavericks. And I'm just right. going to tell you the number that is out there that they're talking about. I have no idea whether it's true. The number, Mc- Do you know the number, McMahon? 112. Yeah. Four years, $112 million is the number floating around. Yeah, and I know it because Jackie told me. I don't know it okay. from uh, within the Mavs. And this is... So I go Let's on be Dallas clear, we're not radio. reporting this. Let's okay, be very, yes. very right. clear. For aggregators. It's, 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 For aggregators. It's, rumor, it's rumor and speculation. It is. Thank you. But, you know, and, and so this time of year, let's be honest, our jobs in a lot, of, a lot of ways are to get as much information as we can and figure out who's lying to us. That's I right. And, and we think, could be getting lied. We could be getting lied to. Well, but I think I got lied to because the, the second Woj reports, hey, it looks like Horford's gone from Boston. I reached out to some Mavericks folks. And I think I, I might have gotten what I referred to as being Harrison Barnes, because when they signed Harrison <laughs> Barnes, it, it, it was oh no, no way, no way, no way, boom. Uh, this one, it was it, they didn't shoot it down, but it was oh wow, you know, man, we're caught off guard. What about by Dwight this. Powell? And, what about the Dwight Powell saga? Dwight Powell opted out. No, no he didn't. I was, no, he I didn't. Was, no, I was being I I was being told the truth on that one the whole way. I was told okay. the whole time he was going to opt in and get an extension. So. Right, but that's what I'm on saying, this one, it, which is what it, happened, you know. Yeah, and and so again, and that's the problem is you have people who tell you the truth most of the time, but then sometimes. Oh, but I tell you one is, thing right now, uh, Jackie they play, and I they played sk- dumb on Horford. Sorry, Go Jackie ahead. and I. Oh, didn't you're hearing it from this. separate people. Yeah. No, yeah, we didn't speak to one another. I haven't spoken to. to Literally, we just both said one twelve independently of each other. So that tells you what yeah, is going so on. It's, yeah, so it doesn't mean it's true. That's right. We're not reporting it. Um, you hear that? We're not reporting it. You hear that, everybody? Um, uh, McMahon, Cuban and the Mavericks have missed out on free agents over the last five to seven years. This, to me, feels like a pretty aggressive overpay, but also they only are going to have the cap space for this summer because I assume they're going to sign Porzingis, and maybe mm-hmm. they just didn't want to get outbid again. W- what's your evaluation well, if, and, indeed, and this may happen? And and kind of the way the market's looking, it's maybe Kimba's available, depending on what Charlotte wants to do there, or Horford. And look, the Mavericks, 
I think in a perfect world, they'd sign a guy who they would be able to sign to a second contract and keep together as part of the core with Luka and, and Porzingis. But for those guys' development, they've got to play in the playoffs. You know, those guys start, they need to start getting playoff seasoning. And signing Al Horford is a, is a way to kind of really kickstart or, you know, take this thing a big leap forward. And you can't say make sure you get in the playoffs in the Western Conference because I think there's going to be about 10 or 12 playoff caliber teams. But at least maximize your chances uh, for those guys during their developmental year to be playing uh, in the playoffs and getting that kind of experience, which I think if, if they're going to become pillars of a championship caliber team is a necessity. Right. I'm telling you, I think Corford's a great fit there. I mean, Przingis and Doncic, what they could learn from them if they're willing to learn, which it seems to me like they are. But I, I can tell you last night, Tim, I think Luca knows everything in his mind, but go on. Apparently, right. <laughs> but, you know, Al has a funny way of, I mean, he's already dealing with a guy. He dealt with a guy like that all year because Kyrie's a genius. Just ask him. So, um, you know, he actually told me, I am a genius. And... He is a genius on the basketball court. I can't even disagree with him. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, but, but I think what I heard a lot last night, um, and I'm sure you have, Tim, is that Kemba's, Kemba's who they want. Kemba's their, their target, the Dallas Mavericks. I've heard a lot of things about Kemba. Some people have told me, oh, they're going to get that done. Some people have told me, you know, there, there's no way he's getting the Supermax, so it's just a matter of negotiating the number. Right. Other people have mm-hmm. told me that, no, they feel like if you put Charlotte to the test that they, may, they you know, I don't feel comfortable in my Kemba Walker information right now. Um, no. And you know, I, I think the teams I, probably feel the same way. Yeah. And again, you know, we, even with Kemba, it's, well, the age doesn't necessarily line up. And do you want to, I'm talking about with the Porzingis Luca timeline. And, you know, do you want to pay that much money to a, you know, a small guy who's going to be on the old end by the end, but, you know, also, man, it'd be nice to have somebody other than Luca who can just be a bucket getter when things aren't perfect. You know, get him the ball with five seconds left on a shot clock and he's at least going to get a decent look up. Um, and you can't have enough of those, especially, you know, come playoff time when, when buckets get hard to come by. Um, but look, we'll see what Charlotte does. They're not, I, I, I would, they're not going to go super max, but even if it's just five years at a little over the normal max, like, he can't leave that much money on the table. I wouldn't right. think. Plus, plus he can. Well, he's already sell. said he'll take less. He's already said right. He'll so take less. plus, he, he can be you know coordinated as the guy who took less and is and, and he's did, did right by the franchise. I mean that right. path is there right. if the and and they could get under the tax. I I was asking around to see if Charlotte was trying to move their pick, um, mm-hmm. like to try to offload money. And I mean maybe they did, but the several teams I checked in with said that they weren't. Um, if anything, they were. You know, looking to move around the draft that they weren't looking to move out of it. They could, if they wanted to avoid the luxury tax, they could stretch uh, Biombo, mm. which um, isn't, you know, stretching a player with that kind of money isn't always the smart, the greatest move. But if that's right. their vital thing, stay out of the tax next year, which is the only time they'd really be in danger of it, um, that's, what, that's one remedy that they could sign Kemba and stretch Biombo. Right, and I'm trying to think of one team that's ever done a stretch. Has anyone ever stretched a player successfully? It it was a tool we heard about. I thought it would happen so. I thought it would happen more often than it has. Well, I'm going to tell you is that the Pistons are still paying Josh Smith. That's all I'm. That's all I'm going to say. (laughs) But they stretched that way early in that contract. What do you want to tell you? They, it's, it. He, I think he's on the books for next year. One thing before we get off Rockets and, um, I mean, Mavs and Celtics and all those Texas teams. Capella is still in play for the Celtics. I think too. By the way. Hello. No one is available to take your call. The NBA draft is over, and that means it is the full swing of the summer. And what do you do in the summer when you don't have NBA games to watch? You go to other events. You go to concerts. You go to festivals. You go to uh, plays. It's the best time of year for doing that. And how do you get tickets? Sometimes you don't plan in advance. Sometimes you just want to go tomorrow or next week or this coming weekend. 
you go to Vivid Seats to get those tickets. Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, our listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person. They help fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, including, as I mentioned, those concerts and theater. And okay, if you want to go watch a baseball game, I guess I'll let you get off the hook on it. Um, they offer great prices, and I think this is most important, a very easy purchasing experience. If it's a pain in the butt, you're not going to want to do it. So you can take a, a, a spin with the Vivid Seats app by using the podcast code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. You can go there and get 10% off your first purchase with Vivid Seats. All of those Vivid Seats are confirmed and backed by 100% guarantee. So you go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. You put in, as a first-time customer, the promo code Hoops, 10% off your first order. That's the way to do it. When you're enjoying your savings and your and your uh, event, you can think, thank goodness for the Hoop Collective and, of course, Vivid Seats. Hello. No one is available to take your call. Let's talk about the Rockets. So in my view, this is a great chance in the Western Conference. If I'm sitting mm-hmm. around and I'm looking at this, the Warriors are down, obviously. While the Lakers made a power move, uh, I do not think that the Lakers will be at their best this upcoming year. I think it will take them till year two. I saw it with the Heat in 2010-11. Right. I saw it with the Cavs in 14-15. They just are going to need a, two cycles to build that team. And I, and I know that the retort's going to be, what, when LeBron's 35, not 34? Yeah, I get it. I just don't think they're going to have the depth on that team. They're not going to, and whatever they are this year, I promise you that they will be better next year. So the Warriors are down. The Lakers will not fully be operational. Um, it is a, it is a time to move. The Utah Jazz. Yeah, made it. I mean, yeah, they they, sure they yeah. went for it. Uh, although I think they would probably have made that trade no matter what. I felt it was a pretty good trade for them. Well, yeah, they tried to make it the deadline, right? Um, but great move for the Jazz. Uh, they now have a and, and and they still have some flexibility where they can they can add some more another piece. They, this is my point on this, McMahon. Is this is the Rockets' chance? And the that's West why. Is, is, what's going it, on? That, what are they doing? Why, get, to, get your act together. Why, I know, and that's what people, even people who are directly involved in the drama are saying, you know what, if we would just calm the bleep down, we're probably the best team in the Western Conference at this point. And, you know, it's things have gone sideways with D'Antoni and, uh, and, and, and the front office and really D'Antoni's agent, Warren Legary, and, and the owner, Tillman Fertitta. And so that thing has been can a you give us a uh, can you give us a truncated yes. like uh, yes Here seventy goes. second blow by blow of what happened there because you've you're reported all over it yes original offer incl- it was one year five mil base up to four million in, in incentives to advance and tied to playoff advancement I don't even care about but if the they numbers, fired him fired him two point five million dollar buyout and. Dan Tony looks at that and says, you know what? It'd be fine if they got rid of that damn buyout, but the hell no. And so it was a complete non-starter. Uh, Fertitta does the press conference, like hastily arranged. The PR staff wasn't even involved. Found out about it like two minutes before. Says all kinds of things. The agent did me a favor. Like, just like, God, you're making bad words here, buddy. And so realize that's a disaster. So they call off talks. Fly, flies up. And that was, but, that right, was but, right but, after. But they call off talks, Le, right? Legary had called off talks and then came to that okay. press conference. Okay. Fertitta so realized, oh, crap. I really opened my mouth and said a bunch of stuff I shouldn't have said. I made, I made bad words. Flies up to West Virginia to see D'Antoni with, with Daryl Morey. They go out to dinner. He says, look, man, we didn't realize the buyout was the big problem here. We'll take that out of the deal. You know, hey, we're sorry about that. And you know what? We're sorry things have gotten so sideways. We'll pack $2 million incentives into the year this season when you're already under contract, just as an olive branch. But, we, you know, we're sorry. We, we, we love you, Mike. Let's get this done. Mike says, but, hey, you know what? That sounds good, man. I'm, I, I'm cool with that. Just give Warren a call, you know. But, yeah, hey, let's shake hands. on. That sounds great. I'm, I'm happy with that. You know what? We, we can do that. And so off they go, flying home. All right, we got a deal done. Mike feels good about it. We got a deal done. Days go by. I get wind of it. it I put it out there. Warren Legarry gets wind of it. He, he's not thrilled. And so at this point. <laughs> You've had some great quotes in the, in the reporting. Yikes. And so here's the deal now. 
Warren is Dan Tony's probably one of his best friends. He's he's responsible for getting him his first crack in the NBA. He's repped him for over thirty five years. Mike's very loyal to him. Warren is when he won rookie when he won coach of the year last year and he stood up on that stage. He basically said, "When I was down and out and nobody ever thought I was going to work in this league again, Warren the Gary got me back." Absolutely, and so Warren is saying that it's not fair to you as a coach your stature, and it's not fair to set this precedent for other coaches around the league. He wants the two Many years. Many of whom he represents. The, yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's about love, business. Who doesn't love Warren Laguerre? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he, Warren is Warren? holding firm at, no, we want the two-year extension, not one, and bump that base salary up. Fertitta's holding firm on, we shook hands with Mike. What the hell? And so who knows? At the end of the who day, they got a mess there. Then the whole Chris Paul thing. Now, uh, this is uh, this is one of these things where should I say something that'll get aggregated? No, I'm not going to say it. What do you What do you say about it, McMahon? About you know? Okay, so I wrote what I wrote, um, and there is definitely friction. There is tension. The prevailing opinion within the Rockets, and you know the the people I talk to who know both players very well and are and are still you know, involved either as Rockets employees or close to the players, et cetera, et cetera, was that, hey, it's not that atypical. It's not ideal. You know, Chris can be a, you know, tough guy to to, to deal with on a regular basis. James, you know, probably uh, needs to adjust some things as well. But it's manageable. It can, with some tweaks to the offense, D'Antoni's kind of in this situation where he has to tweak the offense enough to satisfy CP3 without alienating James Harden. It's a delicate dance. There's a reason that, you know, the the money is what it is for head coaches in this league. It's a hard job. Um, but as far as, like, unsalvageable, I, I was told all those same things by people who do not have the Rockets' best interests in mind. <laughs> and as I continued reporting, it did not check out. So that's why I did not include that stuff in the story that I wrote about, you know, which was not exactly a, a fluff piece in the Rockets' favor. No, it was not. It was not. Um, so from what I, I, think I understand... The, I think they want D'Antoni out. That's what it's... I mean, come on. What are they doing here? I think well, they're trying to nudge the him to the exit. I think I think that in and they'll tell you I mean they will look dead in the eye we want him here for years. I think they want Dan Tony there as long as Harden is the face of the franchise for a contender. And that's where it kind of gets delicate. I think it's time to come together and sing Kumbaya. Let's go to LA, let's go to Miami, let's let's get our act together here. Let's all get on the same page. Um well, and they'll you be know. together for the award show, and they'll, you know, they'll smile and they'll pose and they'll, oh, I thought there was tension, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. They'll, well, they'll do that whole dance. But no, they. Well, there, there was there something that to... happened in, in that Warriors series with the way the, the the way the Warriors were defending the Rockets. They were they were doubling where James was operating, enabled Chris Paul's man to like kind of come double, and Chris got frustrated. And they needed. He wanted to make an adjustment, and there was a like a moment in that series where they sort of snapped at each other. But I think it was more like, "Listen, we're getting beaten. It's unfortunate." I don't think it was like. A, well, it, but it, it totally was stuff that's wrong. There, it was stuff that was kind of lingering throughout the season, and it, there was this unease throughout the season. And look, when when Harden really took off, you remember that's when Chris Paul was hurt. That's when he was out with that hamstring injury. And so he goes on this historic tear, and Chris comes back, and like Harden wasn't adjusting off of that, but Chris is no longer capable. Like year one of, of, of Chris Paul in Houston, he was, aside from Harden, probably the best ISO player in the league that year. I mean, as far as points per possession among high-volume guys, he, he was the number two guy in the league. But so he lost his step last year, and so that offense no longer suits him. And he's, you know, he wants it to be much more of a, you know, plays and sets and screening and deception because he needs that. Where James is like, man, give me the ball, space Get the floor, <laughs> and I'm the damn MVP of the league. Like, just shut, as a source said, his, he, this is not a quote from Harden, but more of an interpretation of 
his uh, his attitude is, you can't even beat your man. Just shut up and watch me. Okay, so the way I have gotten in a bit of a back and forth about their luxury tax or non-luxury tax spending, I just felt like last year, in a vital year, mm-hmm. they they made deals during the year not to necessarily improve their team but to get under the tax, and then they didn't spend their mid-level exception in a year where it was an opportunity to go for it. And I have questioned whether Fertitta was willing to spend the tax. And I got pushed back hard on that. And Fertitta has gone has pushed back on the record to yep. the Houston Chronicle about spending. Well, um, and, and, Darryl, and to me, we went back and forth on that. And they right. explained the whole thing. And they wanted to avoid the repeater tax. That meant one out of three years had to avoid the luxury tax. The plan was year three with the moves they made. They had an opportunity on the trade deadline to do it. They felt James Ennis had fallen out of the rotation, so if that's what it took to sacrifice and get under the tax, fine. They didn't feel like it weakened the roster. My point was, okay, I hear all that, but Chris Paul's getting more expensive and older as the contract that's goes. That's my point. That's my yes. point. And, and it all does get back, and Daryl pushed back, and well, we, you know, we did end up using most of the mid-level. But they use it on like G League call ups to be able to sign them to three year non guaranteed deals. That's and that's, stay. And that's it's like that's no, shenanigans. You didn't, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that and is the, that's semantics. Well it's done, Brian. Shenanigans well semantics. You, you did not use it in the summer to get a quality rotation player when you had t- two key guys walk out the door. Now, in Bob Mute was damaged goods, but still, he was a key role player in the year before. You didn't replace that. Ariza was a 35-plus minute starter. You did not replace that. And so if you're all in, in year one of Chris Paul's max contract, you that use the mid-level point. to go get a, a solid rotation yeah. player in the summer. That they didn't do point. that. They also, went cheap on minimum they, flyers midway that through blew the up year, in their face. Midway through the year, they made an offer for Jimmy Butler. And maybe they knew they always knew that that offer was going to get rejected. And so maybe it was not a real offer. But how can you go for Jimmy Butler, a guy you know you'd have to resign? And, you know, I just, yeah. you know, and all I would say is they have an opportunity again. They, they, because of what happened in the league, they are now afforded a second bite at the apple. Right. Use it wisely. McMahon, is there any uh, chance? I'm hearing these rumblings about Jimmy. Yeah, you know, it's the, they're, they're real rumblings. There. They're real um, rumblings. The Rockets take, think they have it, a chance. It would take cooperation. It would take one of two things to happen: either they would have to take all of those first-round picks that they had offered for Jimmy initially, and they'd have to trade them to a team with salary cap space. The Knicks, the Hawks have some space left. The Bulls, maybe, if they don't get Malcolm Brogdon or whatever, they would have to trade him to a team and use those picks to like do a, one of those big... Remember how the mm-hmm. uh, the uh, Warriors wiped the books for Andre Iguodala? They'd have to do that and then sign Jimmy. Or they would have to work a sign-and-trade with the Sixers, which would be very difficult because they, they then they would lose their ability to be a tax team. And, and- and, and, and I don't doubt Daryl's ability to do the cap gymnastics. But, uh, I don't doubt that. What I doubt is them getting Jimmy Butler to agree to it. Because Philly's going to come with a five-year max. That, sure that is that? happening. I'm, sure about that? I am, I'm, I'm, I'll put it at 99% Philly's coming with a five-year max. I think Philly's Based. coming with a max. I don't know if it's five-year max. I'm, I'm well, pretty that's, confident that's on that. So- I'm pretty confident on that. Um, All right. So if, if Jackie, you have anything to add there about that? You, th- I, I, I'm hearing this. I'm hearing the five year two for Philly because they need to keep. I think he's their priority over Tobias Harris. I think they want them both, but I think Jimmy's. They look Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy's their closer. He's their closer. I was going to say the same thing. He's the guy with three minutes to go. That's who they want taking their shot. And, you know, he got along great with Embiid, but I, I just think Jimmy Butler has a wandering eye. He's one of those guys, right? We, he just, yeah. He, he's one of those guys you're just never sure where, where her elf would be happy. A little bit like Kyrie, right? Where, where will he be happy? Where does he feel like he belongs? Well, and, so, but I also think that, that Jimmy Butler sees in Philly, hey, I mean, they can claim they're as close as anybody. They're maybe one, one really hey, one tough bounce. bounce. Yeah. Right. So, and also... Jimmy Butler is self-aware enough, I believe, to understand that he's perhaps not the most calming influence. (laughs) 
And so <laughs> as the Rockets are trying to kind of, you know. That was, well, some, that was delicately said. Yes. As, as the Rockets are trying to perhaps put some fires out, I think it's, and Harden and Jimmy Butler have, you know, they're, they're buddies, they've been talking, blah, blah, blah. But still, the idea of adding that alpha dog to a mix when you got a couple of alpha dogs already barking at each other. That's like, a really that's a really good point. Be careful what you <laughs> wish out. for here. And and Daryl Daryl hunts stars. I mean, and he even yes. hunts faded stars. Not that I'm saying Butler's faded, but like obviously the Carmelo thing blew up in his face last summer. He thought it was a good idea. It wasn't. It wasn't because, you know, mainly Carmelo can't play anymore. But this is a situation where I I am very confident that, that the Rockets are trying to make it happen. And I also don't think it's a very good idea, especially if they have to really, they don't have much depth anyways. And so if they become a thinner team with another personality like that, I just, I don't know, man. Yeah, one of the things here that when I see what's going on with the Rockets, they need some unifying leadership. Like you know, that, this is where the owner would lead, or the GM would lead, and right, or Chris right. would lead. The problem and, is, and PJ, is that PJ Tucker's that guy in that locker room. Okay, P, right. PJ's that but, guy, but he's. But I, mean, but I think it's just really hard to get. Yeah. Knowing knowing the characters, I think it's hard to get Tillman Fertitta and Chris Paul and James Harden together. Even if you're the greatest unifier ever, I think they're just. You know, they're just they're complicated characters. And well, another thing really is, believe in look, themselves. Fertitta's got well, buyers so, remorse on Chris Paul. And he's an inexperienced owner, and he let he me, talks a lot. And when he talks, he doesn't make things better, which I shouldn't me, say out loud because I like him when he talks. Let me say right. my sympathy level for their Chris Paul contract. Put a zero, put a decimal point, and then put yeah. an infinite level of zeros until you go off the page. Well, and also let me just say this. Daryl Moy doesn't have buyer's regret. Daryl Moy saying, what the hell are you talking about? We've got a chance to win a championship that we wouldn't have without Chris Paul. That makes him worth every freaking penny Everybody's close to the last couple of years. Eyes, have, when they made yeah. that deal, when they made that deal with the Clippers, where Chris Paul sort of went in there and forced it through. Oh, yeah, and then and, he sacrificed by opting in like he didn't know he was getting a well, four-year max. That's right. They were lucky it wasn't a five-year max because yeah, they changed the CBA. He changed the CBA. I know. Um, yeah. Everybody was eyes were explosively wide open, and then Tillman Fertitta bought the team, and he made he made the purchase, knowing exactly what he was going to have to do with Chris Paul. So, even if Chris Paul couldn't walk right now, I would have no I would have sympathy for Chris, but I would have no sympathy for the fact that they had that they got in, themselves in a position okay. where they had to give him that contract. Exactly, but let's go back to the first year that Chris Paul and James Harden were together and the very, very meticulous plan that D'Antoni had laid out for them. And we've, we've said it a million times, let's say in a million and one, one hamstring away from beating the Golden mm-hmm. State Warriors. And that's, it's kind of like if Ka- Kawhi Leonard goes to the Clippers, do you think the Toronto Raptors are going to say, oh, we never should have done this? No, they're holding the trophy. And it's, it, it's just, it's so hard to win a championship. I know, you overpay right. sometimes to make it happen. So I don't, again, I think it's so easy for us all to, to play Monday morning quarterback and do the hindsight game with the Rockets. But if they had won and they came close to winning, very close, then the, the Chris Paul deal would have made sense. It's that simple. And, we and, always and, knew and, on the back end it wasn't going to make sense. It was never going to make sense on the back end. We knew that. It, but it's not, it's not even hindsight yet because as messy as this Rockets offseason has started, they still might be the best team in the Western oh, of course. Conference. There's, they still got a chance. Daryl said you know, that to me yesterday, Tim. He said yeah. to me yesterday, we still think we can come out of the West. No, I don't some hurt yeah. feelings. They're not and, wrong necessarily. And, and play ball. Yeah. But so, I do think it's interesting, like, help me out, Tim, understanding why Capella is someone they would move from on a very, very good contract. That's interesting to me, too. Because they can't and trade he, anybody else. That's why. Well, Eric Gordon, maybe. Um, Tucker, they don't want to trade because he's such an important glue guy, and with what he makes, you're not going to get back equal value because what he makes on the, on the low end, actually. Um, and the only thing, I, I, I kind of feel like it's an overreaction to him having a bad playoff series against the Warriors. Um, he's Obviously, he's their, he's their best trade asset because of right. the, the contract. The, the contract. Yeah. And, and then, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Jordan to the Lakers. I just, and this is, this is pure speculation. This isn't, this is just me kind of connecting dots. 
But I, they can't trade Capella and not have a rim-running center, you know, a, a, a rebounder, a defensive anchor. Right. And so, you know, DeAndre Jordan, despite him button heads with Chris Paul at times for the Clippers, that he is really close with Chris Paul. He is a Houston native. There's always kind of been a little bit of DeAndre to the Rockets. And I just wonder if they think they might be able to get him. And it'd have to be for that 5.7, unless it is more. I know it'd have to be for that 5.7. Well, that's what the Lakers, I think. I I mean, the Lakers, I think, are losing their money elsewhere. If they trade Capella, I got to think they feel like they've got a shot at DeAndre who should be refreshed because he took a year off of playing competitive basketball last season. <laughs> but I'll you say this. And, you and, love that. And, and, You've used and, that and, line and, several times. I do. I enjoy it. Um, and DeAndre does not enjoy me in part because of well, that. Um, no but big deal. I, I will say this about DeAndre. He has not declined physically. I mean, you talk about size, explosiveness, wow. athleticism. So he is yeah. still elite. I mean, he is a, He's a big, rock too. strong, He's a rock. athletic. He, he just... He stopped rolling to the rim last year. He stopped making any sort of effort defensively. Basically, what he did was he'd dunk it when it was easy, and he'd, he'd pad his rebounding stats. But if he's mm. locked in, then, you know, you could even argue he might be a short-term upgrade over Capella. I just think Capella is such a great fit with Harden. And honestly, right. I, I would be careful on that because if you I, – I think Harden would not be thrilled with giving up Capella – and then if you bring in what's considered a CP3 guy, like, again, the, the chemistry equation is not Daryl Morey's strength. Uh, I think it's something he needs to consider when he's doing, mm-hmm. you know, when he's making Fair some enough. of these moves. Which, which is kind of like, you know, that was one of the things that one of his sire, um, Sam Hinkie, like, right. he, cared about, he cared about asset maneuvering more than he cared about chemistry. That was one of the things mm-hmm. that, that was right. an offshoot there. Um, I just think that the Rockets have a golden opportunity, and um, uh, I, 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 ho- I hope they get it together because that team is was close, and they're they're went, you know they may not always be the most fun to watch team, but they've gone through so much. I, I I'll be fascinated to see if Jimmy Butler thing could ever be real. I sort of feel like it's one of those Daryl Daryl things that he tries to do but can't actually pull right. it off. But right, well, and then, and then and he'll Darryl's sign five do, like, years down the road on a minimum deal like Carmelo. <laughs> <laughs> he'll keep think, going after. I think Daryl's got like Daryl's got like ten deals on his big whiteboard right now. So minimum. Hey guys, I have to go. All if right, you would Jackie. like to continue? I appreciate. No, nope, we're uh, all gonna we're all gonna move on. Um, yeah, all right, we've to, got a lot uh, more to talk to about. The um, we do. All right, enjoy. I've got to get to the jump. We've got Andrea Guadalla on today. That should be interesting. I gotta um, get the and dad mode. All right, I can't wait that. to hear what Andre' is, injury is. He's got to be having surgery, right, Brian? I, I'm going to ask. Sort. I'm going to ask yeah. him. I don't know what he's going to tell me, but I'm going to ask him about it. Right. Um, cool. All, all right, right guys. thanks Have for listening to the Podcast. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.